Zen nicotine pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime, which means Zen pairs well with you, your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zen fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. So the only person who will know you have a Zen pouch in is you. Visit Zinn.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zen. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. It's Dexcom. With the new Dexcom G7, you get better diabetes results without those awful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or to your watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affect your glucose. It makes it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's so easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Imagine walking through a beautiful copse of dense woods, enjoying your morning, when suddenly you see a welcome to the fabulous Las Vegas suitcase. And, of course, curiosity gets the better of you. You open it up, and you don't find a lot of casino chips. You don't find a lot of money inside. You find a dead boy. That is exactly what happened. The body of a five-year-old little boy found in a welcome to Vegas suitcase. But now, who is he and how did he get there? I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Thank you for being with us here at Fox Nation and Sirius XM 111. First of all, take a listen to our friends at WHAS. Shocking story that's been developing since the weekend. New evidence released by Indiana State Police moments ago in the discovery of a little boy's body in the woods in southern Indiana. The chilling reality that he may have been dumped there from somewhere else. This photo of a suitcase. Indiana State Police tell us the body of the little boy was found inside this 
this suitcase. And for the first time, they have given a specific location, the 7,000 block of East Holder Road in Washington County, Indiana, the wooded area there that's southeast of Salem. Now, the discovery was made by a person hunting for mushrooms over the weekend. Also new today, an autopsy was performed. Police have not released any results, nor they've released no possible cause of death, and they still do not know his identity. We do know that police say the boy is only five to eight years old. They add that he could have been from anywhere, not just southern Indiana. Investigators say they have been searching the wooded area where the boy was found, but the information has not led them to any answers. Again, a five-year-old little boy stuffed into a suitcase, and the only clue we have so far is a, a sticker of sorts on the suitcase that says, Welcome to the fabulous Las Vegas, with the iconic photo there where so many people take a picture in front of it of the background of Vegas. Why? Who is this little boy? How did he die? How can we trace his whereabouts? Because that's the only way we're going to find out who put him in that suitcase. Again, I'm Nancy Grace. Thank you for being with us here on Fox Nation and Series XM 111. We've got an all-star panel to make sense of what we know right now. But very first, I want to go to Max Lewis, investigative reporter with Fox 59 joining us out of Indianapolis. Max, thank you so much for being with us. First of all, what can you tell me about the area where the suitcase was found? So yeah, this is in Washington County, Indiana. It's about uh, a little over halfway from Indianapolis down to about the Louisville area, and it's extremely uh, rural. You know, it's it, it really is shocking that this kind of thing would happen here. These people don't really see much going on down there, and for them to find a boy in a suitcase is um, pretty shocking, but as you said, the pe- person that found this was doing mushroom hunting. So you think uh, you can't just you know do that in some near you know some city, some urban area. So he was in a pretty rural area on some country roads, um, not too far off the interstate. Actually, okay, Max Lewis joining me from Fox Fifty Nine. I've got so many questions for you, Max. Um, you said it's halfway between Louisville and what? It's halfway between Louisville and Indianapolis on uh, the I-65 corridor there. How far away is this from I-65? It's only a couple miles uh, from what I've been told from police um, off of the interstate there. Hmm. couple of miles off the interstate. Uh, with me, as I said, an all-star panel, but before we get going with them, uh, having spoken to Max Lewis with Fox 59, I want you to take a listen to our friends at WHAS 11. The man who found this boy, Jeff Meredith, is in agony, knowing he was one of the last people to see this child's face. When I first saw that little feller, immediately I felt that he was telling me, help me, I need help. The Washington County Sheriff's Office is holding a memorial service for the little boy. The community is invited to honor him next Wednesday, June 1st at 11 in the morning. It will be held at Weathers Funeral Home in Salem. And remember, if you know anything about an unreported missing boy, about five years old, short hair, and about 40 pounds, or if you saw this suitcase in southern Indiana, Contact ISP at its designated tip line for this case. That number is 888-437-6432. Repeat, 888-437-6432. Straight out to Dr. Michelle Dupree, uh, former forensic pathologist, medical examiner, and detective, author of Homicide Investigation Field Guide and Investigating Child Abuse Field 
guide, which uh, we need your expertise in both of these areas. Dr. Michelle Dupree, first of all, I want to talk to you about the location. Location, location, location. It's not just about real estate. It gives me a plethora of clues we're going to need to figure this thing out. First of all, you've got a very rural, densely wooded area halfway between Indiana and Louisville. It's just a few miles off the I-65 corridor. Now, what does that tell me? And what can I learn from the area and from the suitcase? Uh, Dr. Dupree, can I talk to you about mushroom hunting? Because when someone finds a body, they're the first person you look at. When somebody calls 911, they're the first person you look at. In no way has the mushroom hunter come under suspicion. But that is a starting place. Let's talk about mushroom hunting in itself. Dr. Michelle Dupree, that was, let me just say, um, you don't hear that every day, right? That's right, Nancy, you don't. Well, Dr. Michelle Dupree, um, I was expecting a little more from you than the yes-no you just gave me. Let me go to Max Lewis joining me, Fox 59. Apparently, morel season is upon us. Morel mushrooms love Indiana. Tell me about it. Yeah, they sure do. Um, they, you know, start when the beginning of spring, and this suitcase uh, was found in early April. So right about the time a lot of people do it. It's a very common activity. They go out. They go to deeply wooded areas. They search for these morel mushrooms. And they're pretty actually hard to find and kind of rare. So if you come upon them, uh, you're doing a pretty good job. So, But it's a common activity that a lot of people do. So wouldn't really raise any suspicion that this guy was going out and doing that at this time. Uh, old-timers say, quote, when the oak leaves are the size of a mouse's ear, that's the time to look for morels. Okay, I'm going to take that with a box of salt. Max Lewis, again, this guy that finds the body is not under suspicion. What I'm saying is that's where you start your investigation. If you've got nothing else, and joining me, Karen L. Smith, forensic expert, uh, joining us out of L.A., lecturer, University of Florida, host of a hit series, Shattered Souls podcast. Karen, we got nothing. So that's why I'm talking about this guy, this guy is not under suspicion. He's not even a person of interest. He's not a suspect. I'm saying very simply that when you've got nothing, that's where you start your investigation. And I guess we could also start with the suitcase and what the little boy is wearing. But let's finish it up about the mushroom hunter. Yeah, he's not under suspicion and nor should he be, Nancy. I think. Well, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, wait, wait. I don't think he should be. No. That's where you start. Somebody's standing there with a dead body. You darn right the cops better investigate that guy. Oh, absolutely. I'm talking about questioning him. I don't think that he should be under suspicion for doing anything wrong. Uh I think he came upon a suitcase. I think his voice tells the story. He was very distraught. Oh, hey, Karen. Yeah. Just uh, remember the poor soul. I think his name was Ray Cronk that found... Top Mom's daughter, Kelly Anthony, that guy was so mistreated online by so many people, he started calling police um, weeks before they finally came out and followed up on his call. He said he saw something 
weird and strange uh, off the road. And I've been to the spot many times. It is off the road. But if you look carefully, you can see back into, again, a densely wooded area. Finally, it had rained. The rain stopped. He called them again. They finally came out. And it was the remains of this little beautiful girl, Kelly Anthony, who many people to this day believe was murdered by her mother, taught mom Casey Anthony, and he was demonized. He was demonized when he's the one that did a good deed. And I believe that's what happened here. But since we've got nothing, that's the launching spot for cops to talk to this guy that finds the body. Right. And there's something else I'd like to point out with regard to the suitcase and where it was found. Mm -hmm. You can do a little bit of criminal profiling from the person who actually did leave it there. There was a handle that you can retract or you can uh, put it down. Was that handle retracted or left extended? Was it just tossed away? Or was that suitcase placed down flat and face up? Was it hidden or left out to be found? This tells me about the person and whether or not they cared enough for this little boy to place it down, which means they may have spent maybe a moment there. Maybe they left something of themselves behind before they walked away. So it may be worth another search of that area. Looking at the suitcase, where it was found, how it was found, can tell you a little bit about the person who did leave it there. You know, thinking about the suitcase as well, I'd like to find out, was it new? Was it bought specifically for this purpose? If it was, that tells me the little boy had been in Vegas or at least in the area of Vegas. Because, I mean, you can go to the airport, you can go to a lot of places surrounding Vegas, and you can find that type of Las Vegas you know, paraphernalia, touristy stuff all over the state. So I'm wondering about that. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates, young voters who are angry, The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow The Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. If you're a smoker looking for an alternative to traditional tobacco, you might feel uncertain at the thought of changing things up. Maybe you're ready to make a switch, but don't know where to start. Maybe you've tried vaping, but it wasn't your thing. Maybe you've heard of smokeless nicotine products, but aren't familiar with the options. Meet Zen, America's number one nicotine pouch. Zen nicotine pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. Which means Zen pairs well with you, your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zen fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life. Because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. So the only person who will know you have a Zen pouch in is you. Zen is a satisfying tobacco alternative that puts you in control of your nicotine experience, which means Zen pairs well with you. Visit Zen.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zen. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! 
Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Joining me right now, in addition to Max Lewis, Fox 59, Dr. Michelle Dupree, medical examiner, Karen Smith, forensics expert. Catherine Marsh is with us from the Special Victims Liaison, uh, joining us from Charles County, co-founder of Right Response Consulting, and she's the star of the No Gray Zone podcast. Catherine, jump in. Yeah, I think there's a lot of information from the suitcase and the location. But for me, it's most important the fact that there's been no discussion about this child. Nobody's talking about there's been a missing child. I want to know, how do we have a child that's been, was discovered over a month ago? Nobody's reported a missing. We don't have any records from a school reporting a young child missing or a daycare. Was this child ever in the public domain? Those are all factors that I would want to know because when we're talking about where the suitcase was located. You know, you're absolutely correct. You're absolutely correct. Uh, nothing has indicated that a child matching this description is missing. And I want to remind everybody about a case called Little Miss Nobody. Take a listen to our cut one. This is Justin Lum, Fox 10, Phoenix. Little girl, between three and five years old, uh, found partially buried in the desert back in 1960. The case still haunts the Yavapai County Sheriff's Office. Who is this little girl in the sketch dubbed Little Miss Nobody? Her partially buried remains found at Sandwash Creek in Congress, Arizona on July 31st, 1960. Investigators believe her remains had been burned one to two weeks before she was discovered. The cause of death, undetermined yet suspicious, and it was ruled a homicide. And that case goes on and on and on. It is certainly not the first time we've encountered an unidentified child dead. What do we know about this case? We're talking about the suitcase. Now, Karen Smith joining us from Shattered Souls podcast was describing some emotional attachment, the killer or the person that disposed of the body. That person may have had to the child. You know what? Sorry, Karen. Don't care. I only care to the extent it could tell me who left this child there. That's all I care about. I don't care about their emotions because they're going to rot in hell, number one. I'm interested in the forensic aspect. Uh, are there any fingerprints? Are, is there any fiber? If this was a used suitcase, maybe there's fiber or DNA of some sort in there that can help me track back to the adult that left this 
we believe, five-year-old little boy folded up in a suitcase like he was an old pair of pajamas. Take a listen now to our cut number two. This is Dakota Sherrick at WDRB. Right now, Indiana State Police isn't giving too many details on this case, but investigators do believe that somebody out there knows something that can help them figure out who this child was. We are looking for the public's help in finding out the name of this child, this little boy who deserves answers. He deserves our help. Sergeant Carrie Holes said Saturday night, a mushroom hunter in the woods in rural Washington County discovered the body of a young boy. He noticed something and went to investigate, and that's what he found. So very disturbing, very shocking, very traumatic event. Um, very sad event, um, not just for the person who located it, but the officers and are involved also. Holes said the boy is likely between five and eight years old. He's about four feet tall with a slim build and short haircut. Investigators believe the boy died within the last week. State police say they're not releasing details about where the boy was found or what he was wearing to protect their investigation. I don't know how much it's protecting the investigation, but okay. Dr. Alan Blocky joining us, clinical forensic psychologist, joining us out of Birmingham, specializing in criminal and child cases. He is professor at University of Alabama, Birmingham. Dr. Blocky, thank you for being with us. Now, Karen L. Smith was describing a potential emotional attachment to the boy by the person who left the body there. The only reason I'm remotely interested in emotional attachments to this child that was so horribly abandoned is, can it be a clue to tell me who did this? But I'm wondering, Dr. Blocky, who would leave their child like that? Uh, again, let me hearken back to top mom Casey Anthony, and one of her many and varied defenses was that little Kelly died in a swimming pool unattended. And that her grandfather, George Anthony, fished her out. And then, as opposed to calling 911, this former cop just decided that he would put her in a trash bag and throw her in the woods. Okay? That didn't happen. George Anthony did not do that. If this child had died naturally, wouldn't the guardian, the parent, call 911? Why would you put your child in a suitcase and leave it in the woods, unless there was a nefarious aspect to the death. Well, it, you, I mean, you're right. It certainly sounds like it's a nefarious kind of thing. Of course, what this child died from is going to be critical. Uh, I guess you could say the parents panicked. I mean, maybe that's the best spin you can put on it. At, at best, they panicked. But it certainly makes no sense. It's certainly throwing out the trash. Oh, gosh. When you said that. That just hurt me, and you're right. To them, it was like throwing out the trash. I'm going to follow up right. on what Dr. Alan Blocky just told us, but speaking of COD, take a listen to Demi Johnson, WISH-TV. State police say the young child was around five years old based on a dental examination. Hull says, unfortunately, the boy's autopsy did not give police the clarity they were hoping for. But it does tell them the boy had been in someone's recent care. The autopsy did you know, confirm that we're talking about a death probably within the past week now. Um, we're not talking about skeletal remains or anything like that. You know, the fact that the autopsy doesn't re re reveal any cause of death and the fact that it's only, you know, days old uh, since that 
horrific event occurred says a lot, you know, as, as far as what we found. Obviously, somebody cared for him. That Whoever that is isn't coming forward for whatever reason. There's more than one reason that could be. State police tell me they've received about 500 calls on the case, but they want to remind people to not call them about children already listed as missing around the country. They're already investigating those cases. To Dr. Michelle Dupree joining us, um, we typically hear about an identification made through DNA or fingerprints. On children, you don't have fingerprints. I don't know why they still do footprints at the hospital as opposed to fingerprints, but they do. So there's no way to track the child through fingerprints. Here we hear of um, a dental exam. Now, while it's not identifying who the child is, What's the point of the dental exam? Well, Nancy, we'll do a dental exam so that if and when um, a suspected child, um, someone we might suspect that this child is, then we can compare dental records with that person. But without a comparison, the dental exam is really useless. We're hoping to gain a comparison with some child found or reported missing in the future. Dr. Dupree, why don't hospitals do fingerprints as opposed to a footprint? Nancy, I do not know. I think that's an excellent thing to do, as well as do DNA. I think they should do DNA and fingerprints. You know, fingerprints never change during our whole lifetime, and no two fingerprints are the same. Exactly. So if you have an adult print, if you find an adult can the adult fingerprint be matched to a child fingerprint? Oftentimes, of course, it's going to be larger, um, but there are certain distinguishing characteristics. We call them points um, that very well would, would be in the child's fingerprint as well as in the adult fingerprint. You know, Dr. Dupree, let me ask you this as well. We just heard from police sources that the child had only been in the suitcase for a few days. How can you tell that? Nancy, we can tell that by the state of the body, um, the amount of decomposition or not, the way that that body um, decomposes in that type of atmosphere. Because it was left outside, because it was in a suitcase, um, because it is warm weather, decomposition is going to happen faster. Um, so we take all of those things into account when we determine the time of death. Joining me, Max Lewis, reporter of Fox 59 out of Indianapolis. Max, again, thank you for being with us. You heard Dr. Michelle Dupree respond uh, to my question by mentioning the weather. What is the weather in that area at this time of the year? It still would have probably been cool. I would say the average high in a day would be 50 degrees, maybe into the low 60s. Um, and overnight, uh, it could you know get down into the high 30s. Um, and possibly into even the freezing temperatures. We might have been a little bit out of freezing range at that point, but I think that could um, you know, affect things. I'll let the experts speak to that as far as uh, temperature-wise. Right, right. Dr. Michelle Dupree, does that support or detract from your theory? It actually supports it because um, the body would have been in a closed container, which means it's probably going to be protected somewhat from the environment. And the fact that it doesn't get down too terribly low um, it's still going to make that sort of a warm weather environment. So, yes, it's it's still accurate. You know, Max Lewis joining me from Fox 59 Indianapolis. I'm very surprised that the police are not releasing the outfit uh, the little boy was wearing. And I'll tell you why. Because when the twins were this age, I had special T-shirts for them, uh, little out matching outfits. Lucy at that time still always wore a bow before she broke my heart and quit wearing bows. 
I always had John, John David was obsessed with dinosaurs and choo-choo trains. A lot of his and cars, a lot of his clothing had that emblazoned on the front. Any idea why they're keeping that a secret, Max Lewis? So what they've told us is that they are keeping the boys' clothes. Um, and they're keeping the not releasing the boys' clothes because they don't want to disrupt or, or, or compromise the integrity of the investigation. I don't know what, I'm not a police officer. I don't know why police do what they do. But like you said, it seems like that would be really helpful in identifying this boy. Um, But I'll leave it to them to decide. You're right, Max Lewis. Karen Smith, there are reasons sometimes that police withhold mm, peculiar facts in a case that only the killer would know. So when they catch the killer, if and when he or she gives a statement, you match it up to what has been withheld from the public to see if it's really the killer or if it's just a nut making a false confession. However, what we need is to identify this child, this little boy, who's just like put in a suitcase and, like I said, left like an old pair of pajamas and out in a suitcase, right. out in the woods. I don't see how this is really helping them to withhold that evidence. Well, yeah, I'm on the fence with it. And I think the reason that they're doing it is they don't want an influx of false leads taking the investigators off the track. But if the public doesn't know what kind of clothes this child was wearing, it makes it difficult for the public to help. So it's kind of a catch-22, Nancy. A little boy just five years old left dead in a suitcase out in the middle of the woods, halfway between Indianapolis and Louisville, found by a mushroom hunter that seemingly, and I'll go out on a limb, is not involved. He's actually a good Samaritan that calls in the discovery. When I heard his voice describing what he found, I thought immediately he was not involved. So what do we know? Take a listen now to Tom Lally, WHAS 11. A boy found dead in southern Indiana remains nameless. His story and the suitcase he was found in have gained national attention. Hundreds of tips submitted and still no answers. Except for one, we now know how the boy died. At this time, there's no evidence that leads investigators to believe that he was alive when he went into the suitcase. Sergeant Kerry Hull says investigators got the autopsy and toxicology reports on May 20th. Seven days later, they share this unnamed boy died from an electrolyte imbalance. Most likely due to gastroenteritis, which in common layman's term would be vomiting and diarrhea and that resulted in dehydration. Fatal dehydration. And he says the toxicology report found nothing significant. Straight out to you, Dr. Michelle Dupree. Translate, please. When it's a gastroenteritis, uh, enteritis is a viral infection, mostly commonly called stomach flu. And the problem with this is, is that it does cause vomiting and diarrhea. And the problem with that is that you use um, up electrolytes. You get rid of those. And electrolytes are very narrowly balanced in our system. They control things like um, even our heart rate, our blood pressure. So when those are depleted from nausea and vomiting and diarrhea, then we may go into a cardiac arrhythmia. We may become dehydrated, um, and then that causes that cardiac arrhythmia. Okay, let's follow this through. Catherine Marsh joining me, Special Victims Liaison for the State Attorney's Office there in Charles County. Catherine, again, thank you for being with us. So let's go with what we know. The COD is massive vomiting and diarrhea, gastroenteritis. What does that tell you about who left this boy? 
his body folded up in a suitcase that says, Welcome to the fabulous Las Vegas on the front of it. Well, it tells me that I need to start looking at neglect of the child because if the child was this ill, that the child died from the electrolyte deficiency or dehydration, that means he wasn't getting proper care while he wasn't while he was sick or he wasn't taken to a doctor. He wasn't being given fluids by his caregivers. So that tells me that there is an outside component to his death that I need to look at as well. It also tells me, Catherine Marsh, that this may have been someone that was afraid that the boy died on their watch and that they would go to jail. Now, who would that be? A mom or dad that had had trouble with DFACS, Department of Family Children's Services, before? Somebody that may have had a criminal history? Or just a neglectful parent that feels they'd be the one that got in trouble? Of course they would be. They let this boy die, a five-year-old little boy. He couldn't have been any taller than, what, Jackie, three feet or so? Five years old. Now, my question, Max Lewis, Fox 59, have police drawn and released a composite sketch of the boy? No, Nancy, they haven't. Uh, That's another thing that people have been asking about, you know, at least give us something more because clearly what they've released so far is not working. Um, It's not helped identify this boy, and they're still basically back at the drawing board. Um, And so that's a lot of what a lot of people are asking, but they haven't done it. Um, They, again, are citing compromising the investigation. Um, I'll leave that to the experts to decide whether or not that um, is true or not, but we'll see. Okay. That's total BS. Look, I know, Max Lewis, it's not your message. You're just the messenger. But step one is identifying the boy. We need a composite sketch. Take a listen to Our Cut 12. This is Tom Lally, W-H-A-S. As this search continues, we know police are able to release a composite or photo of the boy and have chosen not to. The description of this boy could apply to so many people. Why not release a rendering or what kind of clothes the child was wearing? Right, and that's been discussed. But again, the main thing is if somebody knows of a child who fits this description that's missing, they need to give the call. Having a picture shouldn't make somebody all of a sudden recall, oh, that child, if they know a child who's missing. But what if they wouldn't know the child is missing, but they could recognize the child? Well, again, and again, uh, there's many different reasons, but sometimes, you know, diagrams, uh, drawings, sometimes those renderings can lead to misconceptions as well. So it can open up a Pandora's box of people saying, well, I thought it was this child, when possibly not. So at this time, they feel it's in the best interest of the case not to do that. To Karen L. Smith joining me, forensics expert, joining us out of L.A., this isn't exactly right. A composite, as we are calling it, is typically made when you can't get a full facial. Okay. Here, like, like a photograph, you make it based on an or several eyewitnesses. Here, we have the boy. His body is still intact. It's not like a drawing is going to be that far off from the child. In fact, they may have been able to actually take a picture of the child and enhance it 
to make it look as if it were in life. I don't get how they're saying, oh, a composite would open up a Pandora's box of false leads. Hey, they need something. Yeah, I I don't understand that at all. A composite sketch or composite drawing can lead to people, you know, yes, you may not say, yes, I know this missing boy, but you may say, you know, I saw this little boy with so-and-so. It looks familiar to me. None of that makes sense. You know, the clothing I said I was on the fence. The composite drawing, I don't understand that at all. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Okay, guys, take a listen now to our friend Katrina Nickel at WDRB. Just off a rural road in Washington County, one answer can be added to a long list of questions that remain. In the cause of death of the young male as electrolyte imbalance. According to ISP, the autopsy results say vomiting and diarrhea likely resulted in severe dehydration. It's a very odd, uh, tragic case. Medical director for Norton Children's Hospital, Mark McDonald, explains that a death related to electrolyte imbalance leads to organs slowly shutting down. You don't really know what's going on. You don't Um, you're delirious and you eventually become unconscious. And to die from something like severe dehydration is uncommon for a young child who police believe is a five-year-old boy and can take days. The only circumstance I would think that a younger child could um, become so dehydrated they pass away would be if they were really by themselves. You know, if they were left alone and didn't have the means to um, help themselves or have someone around to help them. That is exactly what you were saying, Catherine Marsh, Catherine, Special Victims Liaison. This child was horribly neglected, and you just heard the cop hit the nail on the head. The child was alone and died as one organ after the next shut down. That's correct, and it's it's the heartbreaking thing, especially when you heard him say, this kind of death would have taken days. So we had a child who suffered for days. And then after that, suffering was folded up, put in a suitcase, and disposed on the side of the road. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. If you're a smoker looking for an alternative to traditional tobacco, you might feel uncertain at the thought of changing things up. Maybe you're ready to make a switch, but don't know where to start. Maybe you've tried vaping, thought it wasn't your thing. Maybe you've heard of smokeless nicotine products, but aren't familiar with the options. Meet Zinn, America's number one nicotine pouch. Zinn nicotine pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. Which means Zinn pairs well with you, your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zinn fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life. Because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. So the only person who will know you have a Zen pouch in is you. Zen is a satisfying tobacco alternative that puts you in control of your nicotine experience, which means Zen pairs well with you. 
Visit Zinn.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zinn. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Dr. Michelle Dupree joining me. What would this child have gone through as each organ shut down? Massive diarrhea, so weak he probably couldn't even get up and go to the bathroom, vomiting all alone. Nancy, he would have obviously been very tired, probably had a fever, very sore muscles, abdominal pain. Um, again, the di- diarrhea, dehydration, bloody stools, he would have basically become unconscious and then succumbed to death. Guys, I'm looking in this suitcase, and if you look at it very carefully, it's abundantly clear this is not something that was just bought for this purpose. I've been examining it very closely. The wheels are old and worn out. The, the suitcase, therefore, is old and worn out. But isn't it true, Karen Smith, forensics expert, that the brand of suitcase can be identified and it can be figured out where it was sold? Isn't that true? Yes, it is. Absolutely. You can find out the manufacturers and you can find out the stores where it is sold. Now, that's kind of like finding a needle in a haystack. Um, but it is a lead that needs to be followed. And Nancy, I'd, I'd just like to say this. Finding the identity of this boy is paramount. I suggest taking the victim's DNA from his autopsy and putting it into public genealogical and ancestral DNA databases to see if any distant relatives have submitted their DNA to those public records. Try to find a partial match and work back from there. And this little boy's DNA is not going to be in CODIS, the combined DNA index system that's used for criminal cases, but there may be a lead in those ancestral databases. It'll take time, but it's worth a shot. We have to find out his identity. It's called genetic genealogy. And while you, people will often say, well, don't you have a fingerprint or don't you have DNA from the victim? Well, yes, that's not that hard to get. But then the question is, who are you going to match it to? Uh, example, say in a rape case, there's semen. You can get the DNA from the semen, but you got to figure out whose is it. And that is where databases, uh, DNA databases come into play. If the perp has a criminal history and has given his or her DNA 
or their fingerprints. Then you can match up. Otherwise, there are millions and millions of people that could be the perp. You have to have something to match it to. So in this case, you would take the child's DNA and do an ancestral DNA match, genetic genealogy. And sometimes you have to go way back, say the 1800s, and you get a hit to somebody's great, 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 great grandfather. Then you follow it down, follow it down, all the way down to the here and now, the present. Who are the relatives here and now? Who were in the area? Who would have had a child this age? That's how you do it. Now there's the other factor. What if this child was in foster care and was not with his genetic parents? Well, guess what? You can still find the parents and then find who had the child in foster care. I want to go back to Dr. Alan Blotke, clinical forensic psychologist joining us out of Birmingham. Dr. Blotke, again, thank you for being with us. I want to analyze not only who would put a child like Top Mom Casey Anthony did put a child in a plastic bag and throw it in the woods, but who similarly would put their child's dead body in this suitcase and leave it in the woods and who would stand by and let their child vomit and have diarrhea to the point the child dies as the organs shut down. That child in intense pain. You know, a profoundly neglectful parent, obviously, you know, and why they're neglectful, there can be many reasons. Substance abuse, mental illness, etc., etc. But the profoundness is, is so striking here. And then again, like I said earlier, they put the boy in a suitcase and put it like, like, like trash. The mindset of whoever did this is cold and calculated and cruel. A five-year-old little boy, think of your child at that young age. Take a listen to our friend Katrina Nickel at WDRB. ISP does believe the boy was already dead when put in the suitcase and previously said the boy was likely found within about a week from dying. He appeared to be, you know, at least somewhat cared for. Um, So that's, uh, again, not what you expect. Autopsy results also revealed the boy was an average height and weight for a five-year-old and a toxicology report came back negative. As far as just who this boy is, where he's from, who left him in the suitcase? It's all a mystery. Of the documented children that are missing on the missing children's list across the country, at this point there's no match on any child that's listed as missing. ISP will not release a rendering or drawing of the boy at this time. Sometimes those renderings can lead to misconceptions as well. They feel it's in the best interest of the case not to do that. Police said detectives on the case are utilizing any information they have with all available technology. You know, we've had many cases. Uh, Let me throw this out to Catherine Marsh. Many cases where we have tried to identify a child. Sometimes these cases go cold and it's decades later that the child is identified and there's no way to bring the killer to justice. What do you advise, Catherine, so this case doesn't go cold? I think I'd start with what so many people on this panel have said. I think it's imperative to get the composite sketch or the picture of this young victim out there. I think we need to know 
what he looks like, because then we can start moving forward with identifying him and building the blocks of the last moments of his life or the last time somebody saw him. What we know is in six weeks, nobody's reported a child missing to the police that fit his description. So it's not going to come from the caregivers. It needs to come from people in the community. We need to get what he looks like out. You know, that's really interesting. Remember uh, Karen Smith, the House of Horrors in California, the Turpin parents who mistreated their children so horribly. They had many children. Not one neighbor reported never seeing the children. Nobody said a thing. So I doubt very seriously that neighbors or anybody in the community is going to come forward. What's our best chance? At this point, I have two suggestions. One would be to consider using what's called wet vacuum technology, like an MVAC. These can extract really minute samples of DNA that might not be recoverable by standard methods like swabbing or taping. Mm -hmm. These wet vacuums uh, spray a buffer onto the substrate and then pull everything out into a bottle. This can find other sources of DNA that are not the victims. So that may be a lead. Another one, and this is a little bit of a wide net, but there may be spores or pollen or other fauna present on his clothes or in that suitcase that are foreign to the area where he was found. That can give investigators an area of focus, so they may want to contact a forensic botanist uh, to consult on microscopic analysis of that clothing to see if there's any unusual plant material from a specific state or region or even other country, Nancy. We don't know where this little boy is from. He may not be from the United States, which may be why the person who left him there didn't consult a doctor. I'm not giving an excuse. It's disgusting. But, you know. I'm just going to go out on a limb and say he was from the U.S., Okay. Someone that lived in or had visited Vegas, someone that was familiar with this area and knew to dump the body there. I would also be interested in the clothing, where it came from, what store, what mall in this country to give me an idea of where the perp lives, as well as did the boy have on shoes? Because on those shoes would be a, a wealth forensic evidence. Agreed. Tip line 812-248-4374 or toll free 800-872-6743. We wait as justice unfolds. Nancy Grace Crime Story signing off. Goodbye, friend. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. Amazing. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, your exercise, and medication decisions. All those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and a lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment... Oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This 
is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn Nicotine Pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zin 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.